This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Now it's time to enter into a world of innovation, a world of human struggles, heartbreak, and achievement. And most of all, a world of wonder. Welcome to CT Startup. Hi there, and welcome to the CT Startup Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher DeMauro, and today we have a very special guest with us, Joe McKinney of the Startup Societies Foundation. Joe, want to introduce yourselves? Hi there, it's great to be on the show. Uh, so my name is Joe McKinney. I'm the CEO of the Startup Societies Foundation. We are a think tank that studies small experimental governments. Uh, big examples of that are special economic zones, which are areas within a host nation that allow for experimentation and innovative types of laws that lead to rapid growth and uh, social harmony. Now, and you, you founded this, correct? That is correct. I founded it with two other uh, co-founders, Thibault Sirlet and Preston Martin. You know, I would just like to take a, a moment to kind of go into a little bit of the history behind this. You know, uh, startup, you know, the word startup has been around for a while. Um, startup societies, you, you, you know, I know there's a thing about special economic zones. So a lot of this has been around, but it seems like you're kind of putting it all together. Um, is that right? Yeah. So um, startups and startup societies are similar for a lot of reasons. The most obvious example is both are small. Uh, like a startup, it, it has relatively few people. A startup society is simply defined as any form of experimental government in a small geographic area. And what the cool thing about that is that it's really easy to leave a startup society. And because of that, it puts competitive pressure on it for, uh, for it to actually respect its citizens. Likewise, with a startup, because it's, it's, it's small, it's not a monopoly like Comcast, you can easily leave and join another one. Uh, another similarity is that they tend to be more focused on technology. Um, like a, star a startup, a startup society has to be as competitive as, as possible in order to exist. So places like Singapore or Shenzhen, they have to be really technologically focused, or they have policies that are really tech-focused uh, or allow for a lot of tech, or they have infrastructure that's like what they call smart cities. So those are some of the biggest examples. Um, but also they're more geared towards the needs of their customers or citizens. Um, because a startup has to remain competitive, it has to you know, specialize for their specific niche. Likewise, a startup society, because it knows its people and because it's inherently local, um, it can tailor laws to the specific socioeconomic status and culture of the people that they're governing. So there's a lot of similarities between a startup and a startup society. And we sort of, you know, as people who are in the startup scene and also looking at politics, we sort of look at government and we saw that people are very unsatisfied with it. However, when they look at the people that they give their money to, they're actually fairly satisfied. Uh, you know, standard of living is rising all the time. You could do services at a touch of a button, but it seems that government is still stuck in the 18th century. So we sort of thought, why don't we take the principles of a startup and apply it to governance? Um, and the more that we thought about this idea, we started seeing examples of it out in the world. For instance, uh, in China during the 70s, after Mao Zedong uh, instigated the Cultural Revolution, they were looking for ways to help their starving population. Unfortunately, they couldn't do a change on a large scale because that would cause a, a violent uprising. So what they did is that they selected four different cities with experimental policies. Uh, one of them was Shenzhen. Shenzhen was a simple fishing village of about 30,000 people. Um, but by the 30 years after they instituted this special economic zone, with uh, more innovative policies, it grew to a population of 18 million. It has the same gross domestic product 
as Vietnam, Portugal, or Ireland. So that's huge. And you have a lot of these, uh, these startup cities that are happening all the time, like Singapore, for instance, which adopted really uh, experimental policies despite only being a tiny rock. It's a city state. Or Dubai, which is a desert like barely 20 years ago. And now it's a global mega city because of it has small experimental policies. Um, and history is replete with them. It's not just now. In fact, one could argue that the United States started as the 13 startup societies. They were places with experimental government where they were trying out things on a small scale. And in fact, the whole concept of laboratories of democracy is basically startup societies. So not only do startup societies exist now and they exist as a concept, they've existed in history as old as civilization itself. So basically the point of the Startup Society's foundation is to show this idea, explain this idea, show the examples, and more importantly, make the, the, a movement conscious, a, a, a movement of builders and society builders conscious of one another so they can share resources and information so they can start making them better and reduce failures later on. All right. That's, that's, that's very interesting. So I, I really like your point, too, about how you know, these sorts of things have been around. Um, this is not necessarily a, a brand new idea, it, but it is something that is, uh, you know, people have discussed, people have done, and, and to great success, you know, like in the, the uh, example of uh, Shenzhen there. Um, you know, my, I guess one of my questions here is, uh, how do you guys try to affect change? Now, it definitely sounds like you're bringing a lot of great ideas together and, and you know, we'll get into this a bit later, but bringing people together as well. But, um, what kind of what kind of um, measurable impact are you hoping to have uh, with, with this project? So let's first start with what the Startup Society's Foundation does. And but but actually, you're right. Let's start with the intention. The intention is to form a movement where everyone's conscious of one another, so they can share information and resources. But the problem right now is that there's not one common network where you can do that. So the Startup Society's Foundation aims to do that. Uh, the bread and butter of what we do in order to instigate that sort of network is content. You know, we, we publish blogs and podcasts, articles on social media, just to have people aware of the project and the general public. We also do conferences where we bring together all the movers and shakers and people in blockchain space and other people interested in governance all in one place so they know about each other and can form collaborations, which will tighten the network. Um, one thing we've been focusing on more recently has been academic studies. So academia has been publishing a couple things about competitive or startup societies for a while. Um, and as a consequence, we recently founded our research arm, the Institute for Competitive Governance, which is uh, founded by Tom W. Bell. And we're doing some cool things that aren't just academic related, even though we're starting an open source journal about startup society related projects pretty soon. Um, one of the projects we're doing is trying to instigate an open source community of coders that will help develop an open source legal system, essentially the Unix for law, which Tom W. Bell calls ULEX. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> it, it's a little bit, it's a little bit cute, isn't it? Um, but beyond that, uh, the Startup Society Foundation, um, I personally, with some of the founders of the Startup Society Foundation, we also run a consulting and blockchain development firm called Nuhans Network. And we consult for special economic zones and blockchain company. We provide the marketing services, but more importantly, we provide them blockchain applications for what we call the governance as a service industry. Can, can you go a little bit more into that? That's, that's actually pretty fascinating. Sure. So uh, our bread and butter is that we build blockchain applications for special economic zones. We help them with the governance of that, um, because right now it seems that special economic zones are pretty focused in the past. Um, there was all this initial success when they first came out. They thought if they just had a little bit of you know, tax incentives, maybe a little slightly lower regulations, they can grow really fast. But now, because there's all these things in the world, they're not super competitive. 
one thing that blockchain technology does is that it makes it heavily transparent, which makes it very easy to audit. It also provides a new financing mechanism for a lot of these special economic zones. Uh, and also one thing is that, uh, you know, this, the startup society's movement has sort of faltered because if they have terrible marketing. If you look at a special economic zone website, it looks like something straight out of the 90s. Um, so what we provide a way is to uh, shoot some new blood into the special economic zone or startup society's movement. Because right now, frankly, um, for better or worse, it's run by, by baby boomers who don't really, you know, know how to innovate with these new technologies and aren't as focused with this, uh, these new design elements. So we're trying to, you know, give the, the industry a shot in the arm by providing its services uh, as a consulting firm. And, and I, I do just want to uh, add to that, that, yes, I have seen their marketing for a lot of these places and it's, uh, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> it's really, you know, wh who told them this was okay? <laughs> but um, actually, I wanted to uh, actually, that's a good segue into uh, your upcoming event at uh, George Mason University, correct? Correct. Yeah. So you're, you're having a summit uh, for startup societies. Uh, specifically relating to Puerto Rico, uh, can you can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because uh, you know this is a Connecticut focused po podcast, but we have a very very heavy uh, Puerto Rican population, especially around Hartford. And you know this is something that I really feel that our audience would uh, appreciate. Sure. So one of the problems in Puerto Rico, besides being absolutely devastated by a hurricane, is that they had really low economic activity. Part of this is because of how the United States government has sort of affected some of the trade that's gone on in Puerto Rico through the Jones Act, for instance. Another element is the Puerto Rican government hasn't been super great in terms of enforcing contracts or establishing property rights and other sort of burdensome regulations. Um, and as a consequence, the economy is absolutely faltered. So if we want real sustainable growth and, and rebuilding out of Puerto Rico, you can't simply give aid. You can't just simply put, throw technology at it. You have to have a policy groundwork that allows for businesses to build their own tech and they don't have to rely on aid because they'll have jobs or they don't have to be given uh, infrastructure. They'll just build it themselves because of that's necessary to expand and grow their economy. So the best way to do that, in if we're looking at examples of Singapore and Shenzhen and Dubai and you know most of our societies, is we create little innovative zones in Puerto Rico that can become super cities, sort of like the Hong Kong of the Caribbean. Um, and a lot of people, they, they tend to think that's crazy. But the strange thing is, is that Puerto Rico has a long history with special economic zones and different types of zones. In fact, Puerto Rico was the first modern country to house a special economic zone under Operation Bootstrap in 1948. Really? And they now hope that's absolutely the truth. And they now currently have four different free trade zones in Puerto Rico. So there's plenty of opportunity there. So the, the focus of our conference is to build these startup cities in Puerto Rico, but it requires a lot of elements. So our, our, our three main pillars are startup cities, resilient green infrastructure, and blockchain technology in order to build cities. You need the startup cities for the, the policy elements so you can form an economy. You need the blockchain technology, one, to bring in the capital necessary to build these new cities, but also to govern the cities themselves. Like a lot of our applications, you could use blockchain technology to govern the city or the real estate or the voting or even the energy supply um, can be used. So they have policies that are good for blockchain technology. The capital can be used to build the cities and the city itself can be run on blockchain technology. But of course, especially after the hurricane, one of the most important elements that has been absolutely devastating Puerto Rico. In fact, they had the largest blackout in American history uh, because they don't have any infrastructure anymore. So the, the third key element is 
green resilient infrastructure. We need, res I mean, obviously green, uh, green infrastructure is important because we need to be energy conscious, environmentally conscious, but on very practical reasons, it's a lot easier to, to deal with a grid that's based on renewable energies than it is for uh, non-renewable sources in, in the case that you're gonna be constantly coming against hurricanes and resilient, that's fairly obvious. If you're gonna have to deal with a lot of hurricanes, you wanna withstand the time. You don't just want it to, you know, go um, just exist a single season. So those are the three main elements. Um, unfortunately, or for better or for worse, it doesn't necessarily have to be unfortunately, a startup society is not a normal startup we can do in a garage. You can't just do it with a couple of buddies with a computer. You need a whole set of people with a lot of influence and money and, uh, and, and, and a large network. So the point of the conference is to form a consortium of partners um, that can actually make it happen. And this will include people like policymakers or investors or blockchain entrepreneurs, infrastructure experts and architects, basically all the people necessary to build new cities and can actually make them happen. So the point of the conference is to be a call to action to form this consortium. You have all these people interact with one another. Eventually, they'll come together and build a proposal, and then they can actually enact it. Because of as the Startup Society's motto is, we shouldn't be arguing. We should be building. We shouldn't just be talking about ideas. We should be implementing them. So that's precisely what this conference is about. We should stop whining about how Puerto Rico is in such a bad state, and we should actually start building it. We don't have to wait for FEMA anymore. We can do stuff now. Now, I, and I really like that attitude, especially these days. You know, you can't rely on FEMA to, to be doing what needs to be done, and especially in the, the recovery process. Now, that, that, that also brings me to a, a question. What, who are you bringing to these, this conference? What kind of um, people are you looking to attend? But also, what, is the speaker, what does the speaker lineup look like? All right. So people that are attending the conference are very similar to the people that I mentioned in the consortium, you know, investors, blockchain entrepreneurs, infrastructure experts, but also a lot of students. Uh, we're currently doing a program where we're trying to uh, incentivize a lot of Puerto Ricans themselves to come because ultimately um, this movement should only move forward if Puerto Ricans themselves are leading it for the benefit of Puerto Ricans. If this is all about outside interests trying to instigate change, then it's not worth it. Um, we need to have Puerto Ricans at the forefront of all of this. And I think that's a really good point. You know, there's definitely been uh, issues in the past with uh, people kind of plundering islands. You know, uh, we, we don't want that. Right, right. Exactly. We want to move away from that. And we want to get essentially the motivation is to make, you know, Puerto Rico autonomous and prosperous and happy and resilient as possible. So they need to take control of that. We can provide them tools and a network so that they can help them build it themselves. But ultimately, it has to be led by them. Right. Okay. So now, um, can you tell me about some of the speakers? You can give me, like, uh, who, who are some of the bigger names that are attending? Sure. So Crystal Rose Pierce is the CEO of Sensei. She's a real big blockchain entrepreneur. There's also Joe Quirk of the Seasteading Institute, who's instituting Ooh. seasteads in French Polynesia. There's Denise Rodrigo's. She's the CEO and founder of Comera 66, which is a sort of a network of entrepreneurs on, in Puerto Rico. Um, there's also Titus Giebel, who goes around the world building free private cities, which is a form of startup societies. There's also Matt McKibben, who runs Decentranet, one of the larger networks of uh, decentralization tech in, uh, in the world. And there's also Tom W. Bell, as I mentioned before, uh, you know, a leader of ICG, who is a special economic zone expert and has worked on projects like the Honduran Zeds, uh, the Seastead Project, and Leverland. Uh, so those are some of the highlights, and there's, we're actually coming up with some really interesting ones uh, pretty soon. Um, one aspect uh, is also our master of ceremonies. His name is Michael Gazurk, and he's one of the co-founders of Startup Grind. So we have an interesting lineup, and we have some really interesting ones coming up fairly soon. 
That 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 is quite the lineup. I you know I I know my way around blockchain and whatnot, but I didn't expect to hear both names and businesses that I was familiar with. Like so, it sounds like you got a, you do have a pretty heavy hitting lineup there. Um, now let, let me ask you this. Now I, I understand that you guys are um, aren't you you have, you're running a contest right now, right? And you're looking for um, some uh, startups and entrepreneurs to be attending this. Is that right? Right, that's absolutely right. We want this to be led by by, by Puerto Ricans and, and people involved in the startup scene. So we're hosting a a, a competition or to instigate more uh, ownership of the conference. So uh, w- w- essentially, we're going to be providing um, airfare accommodation depending on like how well they do in the conference. So if you want to nominate yourself, you you make a post on the official SSF Facebook page and using the um, using the hashtag Empower Rebuild. And then you do a video submission uh, for about like three minutes, a little um, less than three minutes, and a written submission that is 500 words. You can make a sub- submission on uh, the Startup Society's website. And the first place gets two VIP tickets to the GMU event plus airfare and accommodations. Two, and the second place is two general admission tickets to GMU Summit and accommodations. And a third place is two general admission tickets. And, and you think this is... Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't have anything to say. Yeah, okay, out. that's fine. That happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you're looking, you're basically, you're looking for people who are trying to bring startups to Puerto Rico, who are trying to bring opportunities to Puerto Rico. And now, just in the blockchain green tech space, green infrastructure space, or a little broader? Sorry, I'm, the internet cut out a little bit. Can you repeat that? I'm, no, my problem. no problem. So are you, you're looking for startups and entrepreneurs who, who are trying to bring opportunities to Puerto Rico. Um, just in blockchain and green infrastructure is a little bit broader than that? Oh, no, it's absolutely broader than that because if, while it's important to have blockchain entrepreneurs and green infrastructure experts you know, working on these things, we also need a more vibrant and, and multifaceted economy than that. Uh, an economy has many different sectors, and as a consequence, in order to rebuild Puerto Rico, you have a vibrant ecosystem with many different types of industries. Right. And that's that. That's exactly what my thought. You know, it, don't get me wrong. Love blockchain, love green tech. But there's there's so many different businesses. There's so many opportunities out there. Um, so let me let me ask you, uh, um, you know, what is if there was something that was to come out of this conference, what would you like it to be? I want a consortium of partners who would instigate um, this, this, the Star of Society's sustainable plan, essentially. Um, but more importantly than that, I think that we, there needs to be a consciousness among Puerto Ricans that startup cities are a viable way to rebuild the island. They don't have to rely on Uncle Sam anymore. They can actually start building it by themselves, not by having to you know, ask for the federal government for things, but by simply having an environment where it's easier to do business and they can build better themselves. Now, can, can I ask you why the focus on Puerto Rico? Was it just primarily because of the hurricane or was there was there something else there, too? So that that is one element. You know, when you have these really substantive problems, it provides sort of an impetus to make changes. But also um, it's, it's important that Americans understand that there are options of special economic zones to be um, that can actually help out all Americans. Um, but unfortunately, Americans don't tend to really look out their front um, look out their front door. But Puerto Rico, which is a territory, and you know, in the Caribbean, it's very visceral to them. They probably have neighbors or friends or family members who are Puerto Ricans. So it makes it a lot more visceral. It can show to them, hey, look, there is an option besides standard politics. You can, you know, create these zones, you know, zone for prosperity rather than simply having to wait and whine on Capitol Hill. 
Yeah, and that's that's a, that's a very good point. As I was saying earlier, you know, there's a very large Puerto Rican population here around the Hartford, Connecticut area, and it's only gotten larger in the past few months as as a lot of families have decided, you know, they can't they they need to come here. There's nothing for them on the island. Um, so I'm I'm curious, uh, you know, are you reaching out to expats? Are you trying to get people to go back to the island too? I would assume, you know, uh, right. Yeah, absolutely. We want to focus on a diaspora uh, because right now there's there's six uh, there's four million Puerto Ricans who sorry not four million there's three million Puerto Ricans who aren't on the island as a consequence of a lagging economy. Um, there's just no reason for them to stay because there's no jobs or not even no reason because they have their families and it's their homeland. It's that they just can't. There's just not the opportunities. What these startup cities provide is a, a, a flowing economy that can actually create the jobs necessary for them to stay here. So these startup cities are not just—they're not for American businesses or blockchain bros that are going in there uh, just to have their own city. No, it's there specifically for Puerto Ricans so they can stay in the island that is their homeland. And and again, that's a really big and important point um, because there's just they're, they're really especially these days you know with with corporate takeovers and people with deep pockets who can basically just move in someplace and kind of take it over um, making sure that the locals have ownership over this is uh, a very key point I feel I, I know there's some there's some big movements down in Puerto Rico Puerto Rico with uh, certain crypto elements uh, certain blockchain entrepreneurs who are trying to kind of do their own thing and it, there's nothing wrong with it, but it also seems very, not quite hostile, but kind of like we're here and we're doing our thing, you know, not, not as, um, not as allied, not as, you know, hand in hand, let's work together more like, Hey, we're going to do this and maybe it'll also work out for you. And I, I just, I really like the, um, the element of, you know, you're looking to work hand in hand with people rather than not. No, absolutely. I mean, like, I think there's, uh, for a lot of people, there's a zero-sum game mentality that someone winning is another person's loss. But the beautiful thing about building new cities is that a city is premised on the idea that if you have multiple people being successful, that allows everyone else to be successful. And the same thing with starting uh, new cities. You have to have everyone involved. A city isn't made by one person. And the people who think that tend to be, you know, uh, uh, egomaniacs, essentially, um, and they don't tend to get very far. The people that are successful in these new startup cities or startup societies movements are people who form networks and are willing to, you know, see synergies rather than competition. Exactly. Um, so we have about five minutes here left. I, I would like to, um, I'd like to give you an opportunity to maybe talk about a little more about, um, you know, how, what, who are you looking to come here? Who should be buying tickets to the summit, and and, and why? You know. Uh, this is this is you know we this is a chance to meet a lot of shakers and movers, but you know who who are the people that you're really looking to come down and be a part of this? We want people that want to make a measurable impact. We don't like people who are passive and aren't involved. We want people who want to make an impact on history, whether that's just attending and having their voices heard, or or showing that the world that people want to see these solutions, or if they're actually part of a startup that can help these cities build, or they're part of a startup that actually wants to move there, or if they have some influence in a venture capital firm, or if they have a nonprofit that can do stuff in Puerto Rico, or they're a designer and they want to do an ad campaign about different Puerto Rican businesses, or if they have a theater troupe that wants to write plays about you know, how Puerto Ricans can pull themselves up by their bootstraps and, and, and build their own societies. There's a thousand different things that build a city. That's why we call it civilization. All the elements that a city involves 
should be represented at the summit because of every element in society is represented in a city. So if you have anything that's useful to a city, you should attend and you should direct those efforts to helping out Puerto Ricans. And if you, you know, push forward enough, you can join our consortium and you can make a measurable impact in history by having your voice heard, you know, put it, crafting this proposal and doing actions outside of, you know, implementing this plan by actually helping out Puerto Ricans, helping out these new cities, you know, it takes a, a, a thousand different types of people to build a city. So it, we're not limited at all by the type of people that should be attending. But the only limiting factor is you can't be passive. You have to interact. You have to act. You have to do something for the future of Puerto Rico. And, you know, I mean, that's that's a really great way to put it. There's a lot of entrepreneurs out there. There's a lot of people who have a, they have a great idea, but they never go anywhere with it. So, uh, you know, again, I really appreciate that, that tone that, you know, your setting is like, all you need to do is want to do stuff, you know. Uh, I think on your website it says, don't argue, rebuild, or something like that. And that kind of sums it up, right? Right, right. I mean, if we're talking really honestly, the reason I started the Startup Society Foundation is because I was really involved in politics. You know, I was involved in elections, and I was involved in standard think tanks, and I worked in that. And one, it might be pretty immoral to do those industries. I'm not going to rag on people for doing that. But most, even more importantly for people in the industry, it felt gross. And it wasn't doing the, the, the results that we expected. Everyone joins to change the world, and they realize that it doesn't, and they become callous, and they actually become unproductive. The same thing was happening to me. But then I realized that more change comes from the iPhone than a law. You know, more radical, you know, changes in finance and governance happens through Bitcoin than through the Federal Reserve. So ultimately, the best way to cause change isn't by electing people or voicing concerns. It's to actually build it. There's a lot of people in the world who, especially since politics have become so divisive and polarized, but at the same time more popular. Because people, instead of having these large communal experiences or or churches, or football games, or uh, other groups, they're using politics and Democrat and Republican, or liberal, or, or libertarian, or socialist, or whatever, as their identities to replace these old ones. As a consequence, they become bitter, because they know that nothing can change through that. But the only anecdote that, anecdote that saved me from that type of bitterness is to know that I'm responsible for my own life, and I'm responsible for the society that I live in. So I have to take responsibility for myself and my actions and my responsibility to society as a whole. And once I did that, when I realized that I, I have to build the future rather than simply ask someone else and look around to delegate to someone, it, I became an infinitely happier person and I started making a more immeasurable impact. So maybe I should go to my personal story. So I was, uh, I was fairly depressed when I, was, when I just was about to graduate college and I got to my absolute lowest. And when I reached that point, a friend told me, Joe, you, you have these ideas about how the world should be run. Why don't you stop complaining about them and start actually doing something about them? And that was life-changing for me. It totally changed the complete direction of my life. The day after I graduated, I drove in a single day all the way to Washington, D.C. And I started my startup and I starved for a while. I, I had to live on a single pound bag of rice a day. And once I got a little bit more successful, I upgraded and lived in a closet in San Francisco. And then, uh, and then when things got a little bit better, I started living uh, in, in Prague, even though I was homeless. But the thing is, I was happier then than I ever was doing politics, even while living, quote unquote, comfortably, because of, I was doing something crazy. I was, doing, I was on an adventure. And because of that, I 
started traveling the world. I've traveled to tr- 13 different countries since I started all this when before I haven't been to a single one. Um, and now I now have, you know, two companies that have a measurable impact with multiple hundred person conferences in all other parts of the world dealing with the most interesting clients and stories I can possibly think of. And now I live in a Maltese island called Gozo with, you know, three of my best friends in, in, a, in, a, in a farmhouse next to cliffs overlooking the Mediterranean, feeling like I'm out of some sort of movie. And this happens once you realize that you have to see your responsibility and jump off the bridge. You can't just wait around and you'd be surprised because there's an angel waiting to catch you and he'll take you to higher heights than you ever imagined. And it's scary and people aren't willing to make it and people half jump and they die. The only way to get through life is to go full bore and to constantly make the sacrifices, but don't worry about the outcome because as long as you're making the effort and you have the right intention, things fall into place. I I firmly believe that. Yeah, I do too. And, um, that, that's going to about wrap it up for us. Uh, can you just give us a real quick, uh, what are the dates for the summit and uh, where can people find more information about startup societies? Absolutely. So the conference that is at May 9th through the 10th at George Mason University. You can find out more about the event at startupsocieties.com. All right, Joe, thank you very much for joining us today. And, uh, you know, we're really looking forward to seeing what comes out of this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. Finally, we would like to thank both Sublime Exposure Online and Mirtha Kalina for providing resources and space to CT Startup, which make this show possible. See you next week.